This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This is David Marquez, the artist of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man and the upcoming The Joiners in 3D from Archaea. And you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 117 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 29th. My name is Matt Baum. That is at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I am not violating court orders to stay 50 yards away from anyone under the age of 18, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WorldVoight.com. Folks, Joe Patrick was going to join us this week, but he was too busy playing the iPad-free version of the DC Injustice Gods Among Us. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's Joe Patrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not buying puppy dogs to distract my wife from babies, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. I think you're so smooth just because you know how to use the Dropbox. Hey! (laughs) This week on the show, you'll hear reviews of Scott Snyder's new Vertigo horror series, The Wake. And Brian Wood's Ladies Only X-Men number one. After that, we'll relive the glory of Monday's Indy 500 while we review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. And we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Mind Melding with Michelle Bachman will not only reveal why she's not seeking re-election, but also some secrets of next week's comics. And finally, we will check in with our plucky kid reviewer, Lydia Baum, when she gives us the lowdown on the first Adventure Time annual. But... Before we start sending ricin-laced letters to M. Night Shyamalan demanding our after-Earth money back, let's take a moment to say goodbye to Angus Jones, the cute kid from Two and a Half Men that was eaten by a fat religious teenager who, despite making millions of dollars an episode, is leaving the show to be replaced by the daughter of Charlie Sheen's character. Can they finally who shoot is dead? this show in the head? By the way, Charlie Sheen's character is dead. Uh, yeah, his long-less daughter will be joining the cast. And then we'll talk about this week's big news! Writer Charles Soule has revealed some details about his upcoming run on DC's Red Lanterns. In an interview with Newsarama, Soule discussed the title's new direction and the latest addition to the book's cast, Undercover Green Lantern Guy Gardner. He's going to be undercover and leading them? In the wake of Wrath of the First Lantern, Hal Jordan is now in charge of the Green Lantern Corps. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> this is all in the... This is yeah, like, it's all right here. This is straight from DC, not from me spoiling it for you. And he asks Guy to go undercover to keep an eye on Atrocitus and his group. Soul wants Red Lanterns to be a kind of comic book version of Sons of Anarchy or The Shield, where antiheroes try to stick to some sort of moral code. Soul's tagline for the book is, quote, bad people trying to do good things by doing bad things. <laughs> so, Matt, is a new creative team, a new star, and a new status quo enough to get Anyone excited about the Red Lantern? I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out too. I'm going to check it out because Soul, I think, is kind of an exciting guy. I think he's up. He's an up and comer. I don't know where he came from, but he's not doing a bad job on Swamp Thing at all. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And this, as bizarre as likening the Red Lantern Corps to the Sons of Anarchy, somehow that kind of works and could be kind of fun. Well, from what I understand, the Red Lanterns are not like the mindless. Like rage monsters that they were. No, they developed that. That's they, what's going they on in the story. They kind of broke like, themselves of that, and now they have their sense of identity back or yeah, whatever. They, they've definitely moved away from that. And so that immediately makes it more interesting to me. Absolutely. Because before, was, I could not tell you one reason why there should be an ongoing Red Lantern right. series where only one guy can form coherent sense. Yeah, and everybody else vomits blood and <laughs> roars. <laughs> um, but, you know, I still don't understand the draw of 
like this as an ongoing series. I am going to check it out. I like the idea of Hal placing Guy there to keep an eye on them. So you're saying you don't know why we need this series? Don't even start. Yeah, we'll get to that later. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I have never felt that they could support, that they were interesting enough to support a whole series. I kept, unlike you, I kept reading it, and it was not a bad series. I liked Peter Milligan's And that's stuff. what people have said. I just... And I they really, they moved away from that stuff really fast and kind of developed them. And they were trying to figure out, well, what do we do with this core? As opposed to just being bad guys, like the Sinestro core or whatever they sure. were, the Yellow Lanterns. What do we do? Well, if Soul has... You know, a real idea going forward. It sounds like he does. It sounds kind of interesting. I'm at least going to check it out. I'm going to check out all of the new creative teams on all the books, even though I haven't been reading Green Lantern Corps, New Guardians, or Red Lanterns. At least they've got some new blood coming in. Yeah, it means we're to, checking to out. Point, to point the books in some different directions. Worth checking out. The Hollywood air is thick with rumors about Marvel's upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie lately, the one that they did not tease us with in the end of Iron Man number three. The recent buzz reports that. Yondu will be played by The Walking Dead's Michael Rooker. We already talked about Yondu. <laughs> That's right. And he will be the film's main villain, while Pushing Daisy star Lee Pace will play an unrevealed villainous character that will switch sides. Rumor has it that Marvel wants to set up Pace's character for future films. Anonymous sources are saying that Ronan the Accuser will play a role in the Guardians movie, which may fit the bill for Pace's character. In other Guardians news, the website HitFix has reported that Marvel has offered the role of Roman Day to actor John C. Riley. HitFix describes Day as the Agent Coulson of the Guardians of the Galaxy, a human agent that acts as a go-between for the Guardians and the S.H.I.E.L.D. Roman, and I say it because it's spelled R-H-O-M-A-N-N. Roman. Roman Day is a name that may be familiar to Marvel fans. In comics continuity, Roman was the leader of the Nova Corps and the man that gave Rich Ryder his powers with his dying breath. Remind you of anyone else? Evan, sir. We get it. And if that weren't enough, Deadline has reported that the Academy Award nominee Glenn Close will be joining the Guardians cast as the leader of the Nova Corps, indicating that if Roman is the Nova Corps agent Coulson... Close's character is its Nick Fury. Okay, Joe. One at a time here. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this movie? Well, let's get this out of the way. This is bonkers. <laughs> uh, I don't really think there's much much faith to be put in any of these rumors. I, why would Yondu be the bad guy? Because why would we already know the entire arc of the whole movie? Right. Because <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're right. seeing here. And like, so... Glenn Close is going to be Mon Mothma, basically, for yeah. the Green Lantern, for Which, the Guardians. Which, I mean, that makes sense, I, because there is, like, kind of a, like a, some people may not remember because it's been so long since the Nova Corps was around, but there was, like, a like an organizer, yeah, like, like, a, a, like a leader. There was, like, a pan-universal group, and there was a person that, you know, ran the Nova Corps. Yeah, exactly. They were represented by different aliens and stuff. Yes. And... Roman Day is definitely a character from Marvel continuity. It's weird that they're making him a human, or yeah. if that's even true. Yeah, well, who knows? But, I mean, I like some of it. The idea of pa- of Lee Pace's character uh, starting as a villain and then maybe becoming a hero does kind of fit in with Ronan the Accuser. I because suppose, yeah. He was always a villain in the old FFs, but then 
when he had a big comeback in Annihilation and that sort of thing, he was kind of a noble hero. He fell in love with Crystal. Fell in love with Crystal. She's, she's so cute. Even though they had an arranged marriage, Lee which Pace was totally weird. Lee is nowhere near big enough to play Ronan the Accuser. You know, I'm okay with Ronan not being like a huge hulking dude because Ronan is all about his huge, like... I got that. Cosmic gavel. I'm not okay with that. I want Ronan the Accuser to be played by a professional wrestler. He should be gigantic. You can't cast everybody in the Guardians of the Galaxy as a from professional wrestling. He should be huge. Oh my god. Ronan, like, he, what is he, nine feet tall? He's huge. He's not nine feet tall. He's dude-sized. Let's find out how tall. How tall is oh, Ronan the Accuser? stop it. He is seven foot five inches tall. That's... Okay? He's got three inches on Shaq. <laughs> That's a basketball player height. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So, there was a guy that was like 7'7". Seven, seven. I can't say his name. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No. He was a white guy. He was like Eastern European. And he was really ugly. I'm pretty proud of myself for being able to come up with those names, Oh, though. please. You named like the Olympic Wait, team. <laughs> did Manute Bull play basketball? Yes, he played basketball. <laughs> um, I think I will say I think it's very strange how... I mean, I don't mean this is going to sound bad because it it almost feels like these like A list actors seem way out of place in these comic book movies. Robert Redford's going to be in Captain America. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is in the Thor movies. They've got huge names. And yeah, and Glenn Close now, and John C. Riley, who is a who you know will do anything because he's awesome. But yeah, I, I love John C. Riley. But I mean, like they've got big names. They know there's big money behind this. So well, regardless. Whether or not any of this is true, or if it's all nonsense, Guardians of the Galaxy looks like it's going to be completely bonkers. Yeah, it's going to be space epic. Just like crazy cakes. And finally, Larfley's co-writer, Keith Giffen, is putting the band back together. In an interview with comicbook.com, man... That dude was Johnny on the spot getting that domain name. Apparently. Giffen revealed that the legendary Justice League International team of Giffen, J.M. DeMatteis, and Kevin McGuire is reuniting for something. BleedingCool.com seems to think that this lends credence to an earlier rumor that the Legion of Superheroes would be getting a makeover with the futuristic super team modeling themselves more closely after their 21st century inspiration the Justice League. George Mirasan. That was the NBA player I was trying to think of. Okay, good anyway. job. <laughs> Matt, I already know that you're going how you're going to react, so let's get the hate out of the way. Tell me why you don't care. No, I I don't hate this idea. If they can make the Legion into something that I want to read, then great. Because right now I don't want to read it. I don't care. Well, here are some things to consider. Legion of Superheroes has been canceled. Right. But there is kind of this rumor going around about how the Legion is going to be much more closely modeled after the JLA, and some people think that it may be kind of an homage or link to the the Justice Legion, Justice Legion concept the, from DC One Million. Yeah, Grant Morrison. Yeah, where Justice there Legion. were like a bunch of different Justice Legions, and they yeah. were all based off of different teams. So okay, Justice me, Legion Alpha. Right back at you. What do you, Legion of Superheroes super fan? What do you think of that? Do you hate it? I don't hate it. Because like this doesn't it, it doesn't upset me. If it gets better, it's better. I don't care about the Legion. I sure. never really have. Uh, I won't hate it. It won't be the Legion of Superheroes. Does that bother you? Um, Someplace in your little Legion of Superheroes super fan heart? A little. But, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I have not been reading the book. So, so you're obviously not that big of a super fan. <laughs> that's not it at all. <laughs> um, as much as I love the Legion of Superheroes, I will be the first to admit that eh, when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. And... I haven't been reading it, but 
this could be a fun spin. I like that era of DC, you know, that 30th century right. take, and I love the the characters that are in it. And if they're going in this direction, if they're doing kind of a DC 1 million thing with it, I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun, too. I think they could run into it. Well, I mean, there weren't that many people reading it, otherwise the book wouldn't have been canceled. But there were a lot of people that did read it that said Paul Levitz's Legion of Superheroes was one of the few books that still felt like a DC comic. Right, because there's nothing really to reboot in right. continuity. Other than, uh, uh, once again, you can't really say that they were inspired by Superboy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the, a tale as old as time when it comes to the Legion. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> now we're just here. You know? <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's not canceled f- from sales. Maybe it's canceled for this kind of rebranding. Its sales were pretty bad. Well, that's true. But I mean, it could also be that they're rebranding it. They were going to rebrand it. Anyway, that could be, but its sales were right around the place that the books like Deathstroke and some other Grifter were when they got canceled. Yeah, so. I, that's true. And I'm not trying to say, but it's the Legion. But I mean, it's the Legion. It, like- <laughs> right. it, it's this. It, we're not talking about Deathstroke or Team Seven. Right. It's like it, it's one of uh, the DC's time honored properties. There will always be a new Legion book at some point. The Justice Legion. It will be perpetually restarted of over course. and over again for of all the time. Yeah. Of course. So, uh, but if this is even kind of true, I think it could be fun. This creative team is of is of course legendary, and I'm a huge Justice League International fan, and I'm happy to see them get back together for whatever it is they do. Fair enough. This is the legendary. I- that said, fair enough. Drink. That's the big news for this week, and if you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page, where Joe Patrick is wearing his Princess Projecta outfit right now and taking on all Legion of Superheroes haters. Hey, Projecta is a powerful character. Yes, she sure is, and she's a girl. Each week, my trusty boy sidekick, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our Facebook and our Twitter. We not only read your responses, but if you call us on Skype, our Skype name is Two-Headed Nerd. From what I understand, it doesn't always work. So if it doesn't work, you can call us on our Google Voice phone number, 402-819-4894. Tattoo it on your forehead. If you do that, do it backwards so when you look in the mirror, you can read it. And leave us a message, and we will play them on the Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what are we asking these nerds this week? I couldn't help but notice you didn't bounce it off me, and I had to go on Facebook to find it. Uh, well, I had already written it in the script. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fine. Drink. This week's que- <laughs> This week's question. We're going to get a lot of leverage out of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This week's question. That said and fair enough. Those are your key <laughs> words, folks. Every time you hear them, drink. What classic creative team would you like to see reunite, and what title would you like to see them work on? I love this one. Now, so far, people are saying, you know, Creative Team X on the book they're famous for, and that's fine. If that's what you want. But, sure. but I mean, if you want to see, like, Claremont and Byrne drawing the Fantastic Four or right. Justice League. Right. And who wouldn't want to see the return of Crucifer? Oh, I'll tell you what. But, I mean, if you want to see them work on some something new and different, that is cool, too. Fair enough. Drink. <laughs> Just stop it. Yeah, I mean, maybe you want to see Dan Amden and Andy Lanning take on Plastic Man. Right? You know? Ooh, Why not? Mm, that would that be could fun. be fun. Where is Plaz, by the way? He hasn't been around in the relaunch. Uh, Just, yeah, not really, no. We haven't seen him, no, I don't think. I don't think so, either. If you want to hear us making fun of your answers... 
along with our own personally biased responses. Go to twitternerd.com and check out the unedited, not safe for Warren Worthington III answer of the week audio blog. We'll have that up sometime in the coming week. Soon! Exclamation point. Eventually. Where did you go? Now it's review time at THN, where Joe and I pick up two of this week's scantily clad comics and decide whether or not we want to wake up next to him in the morning. Joe Patrick, what'd you read this week? Scantily. 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 S-C-A-N-T-I-L-Y. Scantily. Scantily. Okay. My pick for this week was The Wake Number 1 from Vertigo, written by Scott Snyder with art by Sean Murphy and colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Here's your solicit. I'm not going to skip it like Matt Bomb did last week. No, I didn't skip it. I just read it Even though I read it last week, I'm reading it again. (laughs) There's something down there. When marine biologist Lee Archer is approached by the Department of Homeland Security for help with a new threat, she declines, but quickly realizes they won't take no for an answer. Soon she is plunging to the depths of the Arctic Circle to a secret underwater oil rig where they've discovered something miraculous and terrifying. Writer Scott Snyder and artist Sean Murphy bring their acclaimed talents to this sci-fi horror epic that explores the horrors of the deep, probes the origins of human history, and leaps far beyond to a frightening future. Best solicit ever. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) I I forgot about that last little bit, which will become clear as I start to read this review. (laughs) The Wake number one opens 200 years in the future. In a city that's nearly submerged by the oceans, a young woman searches for something. We're not sure what. And as the danger ramps up, the scene jumps back to Lee Archer in the present day. And I think she is a robot dolphin. She's got a dolphin with some kind of gear on. Yeah, it's wearing like batteries. Like Darwin from Sequest. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sequest DSV. Yeah, the talking dolphin. Uh, now, I've been excited about this series for a while. I love Snyder's American Vampire, and the two spinoff minis that Sean Murphy has drawn have been amazing. Aside from the time-displaced scenes, which I was not expecting because I forgot that last sentence from the solicit, (laughs) uh, this issue is all set up. It's tempting to say that it moves a little slowly, but this is a planned 10-issue series. It's got the room Snyder needs to let the story breathe. Uh, The inclusion of the scenes that aren't set in the present add an epic weight to the plot. You know, like it extends beyond time. It's always been and will always be. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's caveman stuff, there's... Yeah, future future talking dolphin stuff. Oh, man. And I'm eager to see how it all ties to the present-day plot. Now, I'm the farthest thing from a horror expert, but I will say that the way Snyder sets the scene seemed kind of cliched to me. Flawed scientific expert X is given an offer he slash she can't refuse and is whisked away to a terrifying remote location where he slash she meets up with a quirky ensemble. Government liaison with a heart of gold. Uptight jerk that knows more than he leads on. Overeager scientist, etc., etc. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you because I liked that aspect of it. I, but even I, who is not by any means it's, a horror gonna, expert. I'm not like, going to say it's not happening. This is very familiar. That's one of my favorite parts of all my favorite horror and monster <laughs> movies where we're introduced to the team. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, and you, like, you can just look, you can tell by looking at them. Like I'm, I'm, I give Schneider more credit than this, but... In those sorts of movies, you can tell just by looking. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that guy's going to die. That guy's going to die. That guy's going to turn coat. And that guy's going to survive. Yeah, I'll bet <laughs> you know? Snyder surprises you here. I bet yes. This isn't like when we met LL Cool J. And, <laughs> and Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Yes. Though it was very familiar to me, I liked it a lot. And I have faith in Snyder's ability to take the story in a fun direction. 
The real stars of this issue, though, are Sean Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth. I don't know what more I can say about Sean Murphy. His work is stunning in every single way. He might be the best. Yeah, like I mean, the, <sighs> he might be the best guy working He's right now. He's definitely the best thing Vertigo's got going. Oh, absolutely. Hollingsworth uh, chooses this kind of washed out, almost grainy color palette that adds a film-like quality to the art. It's exactly how I felt. And there is a moment at the end during uh, a big reveal where the colors suddenly become very clear and vibrant. And it was really, really great as a visual effect. Yeah, it gave this like a handheld kind of video feel. Uh, yeah, like documentary it was almost. beautiful. This book is gorgeous. So aside from a bit of a cliched setup, this looks like it's going to be an immensely fun ride with beautiful art. I can already tell that we'll be talking a lot about this series in the months ahead. Huge buy it. Yeah, huge buy for me too. You basically said everything that I thought, but I didn't find that setup too cliched. I find that setup, like I said, a pretty important part of any story like this. It just has to happen sooner or later. And the characters were cool. They looked neat. The creepy ones were creepy. The innocent ones were innocent. You know, this is going to be a ton of fun. Quirky scientist looks exactly like Carl Sagan. Kind of. Pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm really excited for this one, too. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Matt Bomb, let's argue about X-Men number one for let's a while. Let's do it. I read X-Men number one from Marvel. This is written by Brian Wood with art by Oliver Koipel. I'm Here's not even going to bother. Why even bother? <laughs> Here's your solicit. An old enemy shows up the X-Men's door seeking asylum from an ancient evil come back to Earth. Meanwhile, Jubilee has come home and she's brought with her an orphan baby who might hold the key to the Earth's survival or its destruction. Against the backdrop of what seems like an alien invasion and eon-spanning war between brother and sister, Storm steps up and puts together a team to protect the child and stop the new threat that could destroy all life on Earth. And that sort of happened. It's there. It's there. Listen, we'll it's it. part one. Brian Wood is officially the hardest working writer in comics. And if my count is correct, this new X title puts him at six titles he's currently writing a month. Name them. Okay. Ultimate X-Men. X-Men. Conan. I can only name three. Star Wars. Star Wars. And he's got... The Massive. Mara. And Mara. That's six right there. Yeah, there you go. But Mario's only got one issue to go. Well, still. You know, I know. He's writing six damn no, books it's, right now. I know, I know. I love Wood's work, and I was really excited to read more X stuff, but a whole new X title raised a question for me, and Joe Patrick hates it when I do this, but I think it's, we have to talk about this stuff, because at the end of the day, you're buying these comics, and they cost money, so the question is, do we really need another X title? Now... Of course, this one is a great hook. It's only X-Ladies with the amazing art of Oliver Koipel. And he's just fantastic. And the book looks beautiful. And the X-Women are gorgeous to look at. And they do a, he does a great job with the action shots. There's some really cool stuff that happens on a train where we get to see Rogue using powers she doesn't normally use. And Kitty doing some cool stuff. It was fun and really neat to look at. And while it's true that this title is ladies only, I gotta say, I just didn't get the feel that they were a specific X-team. It just kind of seemed Maybe that's to me, coming. And maybe it is. But in this issue, it just kind of seemed like the X-boys weren't around. We, the only X-males we saw, we got to see the back of Beast's head, and there was one panel of Dupe in it, and I'm not sure Dupe even has a sex. Oh, no. He's all man. <laughs> is he? He loves the ladies. Fair enough. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if they're gonna pull that off... Every issue, it could get kind of tricky explaining why none of the guys are around. 
the enemy mentioned in the solicit here, the ancient enemy is John Sublime, who's sometimes referred to just as Sublime, and is actually a malicious strain of ancient bacteria that could possess any living form except for mutants. He was created by Grant Morrison during his run, and yes, I had to look this up because I didn't remember him at all. <laughs> I, I remember Sublime. I definitely remember Sublime, but I have I could not explain him to you. I had no memory. I thought Brian Wood, though, gave me everything I needed to know. He did. No, he did a great job with it. I will say that the baby kind of came off as pure plot device to me, and I thought it was kind of obvious what was going to happen with it, even though in the back of the book, Wood says, if you think this baby is just a plot device, keep reading. Right. Regardless, I saw what was coming there. That's fine. And I was right. That's fair. The story moved pretty quickly, and I was able to follow with just a couple questions here and there, but Wood did, did a really good job of putting the X-Ladies in action, and their dialogue works really well. I like the feel of this book, but I can't, again, I go back to this thought, why do we need this specifically? We've got three, we've got four X-Books that I'm really enjoying right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even five. We've got five X-Books that I'm really enjoying right now. <laughs> that's a lot of them. And Man, that's a real first world problem, buddy. And one of them is already starring a bunch of the X-Ladies. I, my only complaint here is that this didn't feel like maybe the reason for the girls to be together just wasn't there. And maybe it just hasn't been given to us yet. But I kind of needed that. And while I like this, I can't say that I loved his previous run. No. I read it, and it was fine. I'll say that. I can see this book becoming fine real fast. So far, I can't say it's not bad. I have trouble here because it wasn't bad. I like How it. How was this one issue? This one issue was fine. No, that's not what you said. You said it, it was, was good. I'm not going to say it's excellent. I'm going to say it was, yeah, good. It was good. And I liked it, sure, but I don't understand why we need to renumber with number one when this just feels like a continuation of the X book that he was writing. I disagree. It does not feel like a continuation See, it, of the X I book. I thought he it was did writing. to me, and that's why I can only give. I'm only giving this a skim it. I, I, Matt and I had an argument about this before we started recording. Joe hit me. Matt's wife Casey had to walk into the Ziggurat studio and close the door, <laughs> but. I think this this whole, is it necessary, do we need it, is such a nonsense complaint. I'm not saying it's a complaint. I'm when the book is question. good, when the book is good, do we need Astonishing X-Men, a book that is by every definition mediocre? No. No. Cancel it then. Yeah. And then that's one less book to complain about. Fair enough. But what you're saying Drink. to me is like, <laughs> is like saying... We already have G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Do we really need G.I. Joe Cobra? Yes, because it's good. If it's great, it's great. I'm saying And this. I thought this was great. I thought it was good, not great. I thought it was great. I think Olivier Quapel adds like a weight and a heft to this book that raises it above you know what could have been just a normal story. Sure. I trust Brian Wood. I do too. To... Give me that team building moment that you are so eager to get. I need that. I know that right now it did just seem like, well, they showed up at the X Mansion and here's who was here. Right. Well, sure. This is part one. They, I got it. They they just barely got back to the mansion before things got real. I got it. And I'm not saying leave it. I'm just, I couldn't give us a I think uh, you're, give us I a think you're punishing this book unfairly. I'm giving it a buy it. Now, we'll see in three issues 
in in three or four months' time when Quapel takes a break from the book, right? And the guy that was drawing Wood's previous run comes back to draw. Exactly. It. I mean, and again, all I'm saying is it's not it's not a bad book. But when I read All New X Men number one. I went, this is fun, this is awesome, this is a cool start for a new X story. Even when I read Uncanny, which I know you're not crazy about, number one, it felt like, here's your reason, here's your story, here's what's going on. This just kind of felt like another X story for me. It didn't feel like something new, didn't feel like something exciting. It was good, but I didn't think it was great. I disagree. I'm Fair giving enough. it a buy it. Drink. So that is a double buy it for the week number one, and a much argued about skim it and buy it for X Men number one. Of course, we want to know what you bulgy eyed horrors and sexy lady mutants thought of these comics. So load your torpedoes, raise your periscope, and fire your opinions at us over at the comments section for this episode at TwoHeadedNerd.com. The Indy 500 may be over, but for Matt and I, the race is just beginning. We've had the Tom Cruise classic Days of Thunder on a loop for a week now, preparing ourselves for the THN 500, where Matt will be driving the spider buggy, and I'm behind the wheel of the aero car. So be careful in the stands, because there's nothing more dangerous than reviewing 10 comics while hitting speeds upwards of 200 miles per hour in some creator's terrible idea of a superhero vehicle. To borrow a phrase from Oliver Stone's Platoon, ain't nothing like a piece of <laughs> except maybe the ludicrous speed round. <laughs> ludicrous speed! Go! King Conan, Hour of the Dragon, number one for Dark Horse. Now, I'm not normally a Conan guy, but I picked up the first issue of this new series by Tim Truman and Tomas Giorello. Who is awesome. That totally, guy is fantastic. Yes, totally fun. A group of backstabbing traitors try to conquer Conan's kingdom. That's three Ks. <laughs> 3K sounds, yeah. not 3K. Yeah, easy, buddy. <laughs> With the help of an evil wizard that they brought back from the deep, Giorello's art is amazing. Huge buy it. John Carpenter's Asylum, number one from Storm King. Welcome aboard, Storm King. Storm King is owned by Carpenter's wife, Sandy King, who also directed Carpenter's Vampires back in 1998. You may not remember it. If you don't, it wasn't very good. Don't worry about it. This is the first comic from Storm King, and it's written by Bruce Jones, with art by the amazing Leonardo Manco. Very high-quality storytelling, and art here in a story about a cop and a disgraced priest hunting demons. Bravo, Storm King. Man, I love Leonardo Manco's work, and it is excellent here. Buy it. Clive Barker's Next Testament, number one, from Boom. I love that we went from John Carpenter to Clive Barker. I know. (laughs) A delusional businessman frees an imprisoned deity from its prison, and things go about as well as you'd expect, considering this is a Clive Barker story. I really like the art. The story is shaping up to be really interesting. This one is a buy it. Very cool art. Earth 2 Annual, number one from DC. This is the introduction of the new Batman of Earth 2, but no clues as to his real identity. It's a really good El Pratt Adam story, and exceptional art here by Cafu, as usual. I was a little lost in some of the details because I haven't been following along, but I like this, and honestly, I plan on going back to catch up on what I missed. I like Earth 2. I still say this is how DC should have relaunched their universe. Buy it. Star Trek number 21 from IDW. Hold on to your butts. The pond far is upon us. I thought maybe that was a spelling error. No. This issue takes place after Star Trek Into Darkness, yet the creators go out of their way to avoid actually spoiling anything. How do we know? It's all vague references and Uh. air quotes. The art suffers a bit from the lack of David Messina, but it's not bad. 
Plus, it gets bonus points for retroactively making Countdown to Darkness a more legitimate prequel than it was when we first reviewed it. Oh, really? Yes. That's nice of them. See the, see the new Star Trek movie first and give this a buy. It's pretty fun. I'm seeing some harsh reviews here. And I will agree that if you haven't been really following along, you might lose a few a, a few steps. But we love Star Trek. We do. Therefore, this is a buy it. Fair enough. TMNT, number 22 from IDW. This is City Fall, part one, and it was billed as a darker turtle story, and it did seem more adult in tone. I love artist Mateus yeah, Santoluco. Santoluoco. Santoluoco. He's fantastic here, and I'm curious to see where this goes. If it's closer in tone to the secret history of the Foot Clan, which I really enjoyed, then this should be great. Buy it. New Avengers, number six from Marvel. Like with Avengers number 12 last week, I find myself wishing that I liked this book a lot more than I actually do. I like this book a lot. Rather than moving forward toward answers, Hickman seems to be piling huge idea on top of huge idea, and things get bogged down in a sea of incursion points and black swans and map makers and fake galactuses. I think it's galactuses. Galactuses. <laughs> I know his Fantastic Four run had a similar like slow burn, huge ideas approach, but it had the additional family hook that this title lacks it's not bad per se but at this point I'm almost completely indifferent to it I have to give it a skimming I still wish they would have just called this Avengers Illuminati or not even put the word Avengers in it <laughs> just call it the Illuminati oh please Morning Glory is number 27 from Image this was solicited as season 2 part 1 and I'm glad writer Nick Spencer didn't feel the need to renumber the series but there wasn't much here for readers like me who haven't been reading monthly Still, it is very well written, and Joe Eisman's art is absolutely beautiful. This is another series that I really need to catch up on badly. I'm saying buy it, but... Really Are you any closer to understanding what the hell's going on? I had no clue what's going on. Yeah, see? But they're dropping some hints. Some definite hints are dropped in this issue. I don't want to spoil anything. That's fine. But I went, oh, well, that might make sense. Okay. Westwood Witches number one from Amigo. Uh, this was an interesting debut issue from Amigo. Kind of the craft meets Desperate Housewives meets The Shining if Jack Nicholson was the author of Twilight. Whoa. <laughs> kind of. Very moody art with a Ben Templesmith vibe. Uh, it was decent, but personally, I can see myself losing interest kind of quickly. It's not really my cup of tea, to be honest. I'm giving it a skim it, though, because it was well done. I just don't know if my interest is there. Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual, number one from DC. This comic just isn't for me, and I have to wonder who it is for. James Tynan took over writing duties a few issues ago, and I was kind of hopeful that it might improve, but he seems to have continued the snarky anti-hero tone that I just don't care about. Starfire is still window dressing. Jason Todd can't remember who he is, so if you ever liked his character, forget about him. And Roy, who is easily the most interesting team member, is written like Shia LaBeouf's character in the Transformers movies. He's always screaming, he's stumbling around, he's goofy. And other than introducing Cheshire and one other drastically changed character from the past DCU, not much happens here. I don't understand why it's an annual, not just another issue. I'm saying leave it. Schlip! That is your Lutheran speed round, and schlip is the sound of Shredder stabbing Casey Jones in the belly, as seen in this week's issue of TMNT, number 22. Man, spoilers. High stakes spoilers. With the news of Michelle Bachman's exit from Congress, we saw this as a perfect time to invite her to dinner in the Sanctum Sanctorum, where our personal chef... Wesley Dodds is preparing a roast turkey dinner with enough tryptophan and Sandman sleeping gas 
to render the congresswoman unconscious, allowing Joe and I to mind meld with Miss Bachman, to sort through all her ridiculous Tea Party conspiracies, to get to her intelligence briefings on next week's comics. That's a little... I bet you didn't know they gave those to congressmen. It's a little rapey. No! Maybe for you it is, jerk. I don't know. I'm just here to learn about the comics. I don't know about this. Joe, hurry up and tell me what you're excited for next week before this lunatic wakes up. (laughs) My pick for next week is Astro City number one. I'm excited, too. Coming from, of all places, Vertigo. Back where it belongs. (laughs) Yes. Vertigo Comics. Written by Kurt Busiek with art by Brent Anderson. Here is your solicit. Astro City is back in a new ongoing monthly series that showcases old heroes and new... As the ambassador comes to Earth, an ordinary man is caught up in a cosmic conflict, featuring the return of favorites like Samaritan and Honor Guard, and the debut of some new sensations. Plus, the seeds of a new mystery, who is the broken man. The entire award-winning creative team is back to kick off a new epoch of the human and the superhuman. Get in on the ground floor of Astro City's next epic. It's going to be great. That is a great solicit. It's going to be great. Astro City is one of those books that makes comic fans. Yeah, definitely. And it's been away for too long. And I know Kurt Busiek had a lot of health problems. And he had to do some work that, you know, probably paid a lot better. Paid the bills. But they seem to have stockpiled a bunch of material. They're back on track. It's all systems go for the return of Astro City. Do not pass this up even if you haven't read the old stuff yeah i'm saying you won't need to busick's an old pro he knows how to bring busick knows right how to board. tell a story you're not going to yeah. need to know what happened in astro city volume one number no, five he will be fine matt what's your pick for next week my pick for next week is daredevil end of days number eight from marvel this is written by brian michael bendis with Excellent. art by alex may leave if you enjoyed the old bendis may leave daredevil then you're going to love this story. It's been fantastic so far. I'm four issues behind because I wanted to sit down and read through the end of it. And I'm really excited to pick this one up and see how Daredevil actually died. Great story. Great art by a guy that loves Daredevil probably just as much as I do. Pick this one up. The THN trade of the week goes to John K. Spumco comic book. (laughs) Legendary animator John... Crick Falusi. Crick Falusi, the creator of Ren and Stimpy, George Licker, and Gorgeous Girl Heartthrob Sodi Pop, loves comics, parentheses, the good ones, and has produced some crazy, fun, wild, and sexy ones in the past. These raucous extravaganzas are now ultra-rare and expensive and eagerly sought after by his thousands of devoted fans. IDW is pleased as punch to finally publish these comics in a large format hardback collector's edition book. Get this, it includes an astounding, never-before-published 25-page epic comic, Jimmy the Drooling Numbskull, in Nutty the Friendly Dump. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Worth the price of admission alone. I love John Kay, loved Ren and Stimpy, and I've wanted to read his comics for a long time, but you cannot find them. Of course not. They are gone. We want to know what you're looking forward to next week, so be sure to tell us your favorite Michelle Bachman quote and what you plan on reading over at our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash two-headed nerd. And give us a like while you're there. Come on, just give us a like. Yeah, like it's just a button. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Just click the like, even if you hate it. The kiss don't stand a chance. 
Well, it's been a while, but she's back, and this time, she's 11 years old. We called her my niece Lydia to get the kids' perspective on the Adventure Time 2013 Annual. But before we get started, here's your solicit. The fun will never end in this special expanded Adventure Time Annual, featuring some of the hottest talent in comics today, putting their creative spin on the land of Ooh, a great tool for bringing readers into the series, and an awesome book for diehard Adventure Time fans, featuring stories from Roger Langridge, Derek Friedolfs, Friedolfs, Dustin Wynn, and others. Now, before we get into the book here, Lydia, I want to know, do you watch Adventure Time, the cartoon? Yes. Would you call yourself a fan? I don't know. Sort of. Sort of a fan. Sort of, yeah. Do you enjoy it? I do enjoy it. Okay, so, but you know the characters, you know, Finn and Jake. Yes, You know what it's about, basically. Mm -hmm. So, in the annual here that you picked up. Yep. How many stories are in there? There are six. Six stories. stories. Six stories. Which one do you think was your favorite? If you had to by far one? the Cemeteries. That was by far because that one was the most similar to the show. Okay. The other ones were kind of just sort of. And who wrote that one? Um, the Cemeteries was written uh, by Derek Friedolfs. Friedolfs. I think he Friedolfs. actually writes for the show too. Yeah. So Derek Friedolfs wrote the one that you really liked, and it's called the Cemeteries. The Cemeteries. Yes. How's that spelled? Um, S-U-M-M-I-T-E-E-R-S. Summiteers, like they're climbing a mountain. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Coming from the show to the comic book, do you think Adventure Time, does it work for you in a comic book format? Not really. Really? I don't really think it works. I actually like the show better than the comic book because the comic book is kind of weird to me because it just doesn't seem as true to the show. Okay. Now, why do you think that is? What do you think it is? Do you think it's, is it the writing? Is it because you can't hear the voices or I mean like... No, no. For example, in the first one, it's just based off of all letters of the alphabet. Okay. And... The the first story is. Yeah. It's A, you're adventurous. B, you're a blunderbuss. And it's just, (laughs) it's not good. I mean, but um, when you get to the Summiteers, it's the most similar to what an actual episode of the TV show would be like. So... Um, based on the sum of tears, yeah, that works. So but, tell me about the comic. Why don't you just run through? Just tell me about what worked for you, what didn't, what you're into. Okay. Um, you know, the way that so, Joe and I review stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, I personally like how it's set up, how they took different, um, basically different comic book writers, mm-hmm. and they, I like how there's different artwork in every comic, because I find that really interesting. Okay. A lot of annuals do that. Yeah. That's kind of part of an annual. They'll get like several different people uh-huh. to work on it. Uh, personally, I didn't really like it. Really? I liked, I would buy it if it was just the Sum of Tears, mm-hmm. but the rest of the stories are very confusing and they don't make much sense. The first story, A, Your Adventurous, makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. And that was, who wrote that one? Um, Roger Langridge. Okay. So that, I don't know, maybe. Was it too kitty? No, it wasn't like that. But it was just very confusing. It had it didn't have a storyline. Okay. I personally am a big fan of storylines. There's a conflict. There's a resolution. Right. Something happens. Sure. This, it's just like A, B, C, D. It's, so it's almost like a little kid's book. Yeah. It, okay. It's not entertaining. Okay. Um, the second one, A Sword Most Awesome, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> well, they're playing some sort of board game, and... I'll just, can I read some of what Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Well, they're just talking about how they're going to play this game, and then all of a sudden it goes, climb the rope, 
fight the Big Bang's monster. I'd like to see how they did that. <laughs> and then at the end, it's just like, no, Finn the human, imagine it. Stronger than a million strong's the champ. What? I, I don't understand. It's so weird. So it was a little disjointed. It's very disjointed. Okay, because I mean, like, the show can be disjointed, too. Yeah, but that's... That you can understand. Okay. Um, well, uh, the one, No Dogs Allowed, um, that one was, I don't know. I just didn't really like it okay. very much. It, w- it was closer to the show, kind of, because they're not being allowed in a place because, uh, obviously, um, Jake has his um, pet. Mm-hmm. Well, and his pet's just not allowed in. It's kind of a better it's one of the better stories definitely but it just it's not very entertaining nothing really happens okay basically it's just kind of like a cute story of a boy and his pet where he's just like he's not just my pet he's my friend right. kind of thing and i'd like to see some conflict like in the show there's a conflict in every episode and something is actually resolved and this just nothing really happened right the next one, um, Dungeons and Deserts. I can't. I can't even say. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I had no, absolutely no idea. They wrote it to make it so confusing that I was looking at it and I'm just. I I was confused. So, do you think that these creators <clears throat> that write these stories, do you think that they watch the show, or do you think they're just sort of like, oh yeah, I know what it's like, and just sort of like oh, well, throwing it out there. Um, sure. I have lots of people at school who will just be like, oh, yeah, um, remember what happened in that Adventure Time episode? And you can totally tell that they're diehard fans. And then there's those right. people who are kind of like, and then there's the people that say, oh, sure, I've heard so many people talk about the show that I feel like I know what it's about, too. Right, right. And I certainly feel as if some of them have watched the show. Okay. Such as the Summiteers and... Um, I'm sure no dogs allowed. They watch the show. Okay. But certain things like the sword most awesome and a your adventurous. <laughs> a your adventurous. You could literally do with any comic. Right. Ever. Sure. It. It. I. I don't. So it just didn't feel like Adventure Time. Yeah, it didn't feel like Adventure Time. Um, the Summiteers. I was a really big fan of that one. Okay. I laughed at points, and it made sense. It made a lot of sense. It started out with a dream. And uh, Jake wakes him up from his dream and says, why don't we go on this adventure and climb a mountain? Okay. And um, so they go on an adventure and climb the mountain and um, face obstacles on the way up the mountain. Right. And I just found that very interesting. And um, So there's plot. There's yeah, action. There's stuff there's happening. There's plot. There's action. Right. There's, there's big monsters that fight. Was it funny? It was funny. And okay, it was good. just interesting. And it made sense, and I just felt like I was literally list reading, kind of like I was watching an episode of Adventure. Yeah, and Time this one—it looks like the art looks the, the art, most like the show. The art looks a lot like the show. Okay, it's very interesting. So the closer they are to the show, the more you—the closer they get to the style of the show, the more you enjoyed it. The more I enjoy it. Okay, let me ask you a real a question. Yeah. So this comic book costs four dollars and ninety-nine cents. Yeah. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. So five bucks is, you know, kind of hard to come by sometimes. Yeah. Would you buy this comic book? No. Okay. What would your rating be on a buy it, skim it, or leave it? What do you think? I would leave it unless wow. you're really, really interested in Adventure Time. Really? Like you don't, it's kind of like if you 
are a collector of something. Sure. And you feel like you have to have everything. And there's always that one poster or that one thing that's not as good as the other. that one comic like, book, sure. You're just like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep it anyway because it's... So you're saying this is for diehard Adventure Time fans only. Yes, or you would leave it. Or you would leave it. Wow. Yeah. So that is a leave it. An Adventure yes. Time 2013 annual yeah. from Lydia Baum. Lydia, thanks for coming by the Ziggurat. It's always great to have you here, and we'll have you back okay. real soon. All right. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the kid-friendly episode of THN. If you think cussing in front of children is not only funny but educational, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. Huge thanks to all of our past donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in birther propaganda and help us make our child support payments, you can make your donation in any amount using your adorable little PayPal button at twitnerd.com. Why wouldn't you want to click it? I mean, seriously. It's so... It's the cutest. It's tiny and yellow. And while you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comic Cast, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, and our new direct phone number, 402-819-4894. That phone number again, 402-819-4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions, or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com, including the return of Aaron Meyer's Ludicrous Speed Reviews and a Saturday morning cartoon salute by our newest love slave, Tony Mathers, but you might know him better as the Credible Hulk. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you wanted to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear your fellow listeners' answers and our own, be sure to check out the TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive, not-safe-for-the-record audio blog, The Answer of the Week. Next week, send us your questions, dummies, because Ask a Nerd is back. But before we go today, our weekly shout-out goes to Legend Comics and Coffee, who is nominated for the Will Eisner Spirit of Retail Award. Word to you, Legend, and when they call to ask me about your employee, Keith Binder, I'll be sure to say, never hoid of him. Until next time, <laughs> true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Fair enough. Sit down. Stand up. Pass out. Frank, Frank. Wake up, Frank, Frank. fade it, Frank, Frank. fade it. Frank, Frank. Now I done grew around some people living their life in bottles, granddaddy.